Failed former President Donald Trump is really risking getting himself thrown in jail. He is raging against uh, another witness, Michael Cohen, his own former lawyer, calling him a sleazebag. <laughs> this is a former president. This is exactly the behavior that Trump has been warned about. Uh, Newsweek reports Donald Trump rages at sleazebag witness who took the stand against him. Donald Trump has lashed out at his former attorney, Michael Cohen, after he testified against the former president during the civil fraud trial in New York. We covered this all week. Trump referred to him as a total sleazebag. Let's take a look at the truth social post that Trump put up. And again, remember, this is a former president of the United States. Quote, the New York state attorney general's case against me is dead. But the radical left judge refuses to end it. He just can't let it go. Their star witness lied like a dog on the stand today and then admitted that I did nothing wrong. A total sleazebag. Letitia James should focus on violent crime, which is out of control. So unfair. I don't even get a jury trial, a blight on the New York state judicial system. Businesses are watching all over the world and never coming in, only moving out. The governor should get involved. Election interference by my political opponent. You know, you really have to understand that Trump is getting special treatment. He argues and his sons argue and his lawyers argue everyone with a financial or direct interest in what is going on says Trump's being treated unfairly. No one else would have this happen to them. It's a form of a political attack. If they can do this to me, they can do this to you, which we already knew they do it to, to everybody. Other people already have uh, consequences for their actions. The question is, would Trump? But the reality is Trump has already gotten special treatment. Trump has already received special treatment because most people with four criminal trials against them at the same time in different jurisdictions, plus access to a private plane <laughs> would be considered too risky to just have walking around out there free. And they they often would be subject to pretrial detention. Beyond that, Trump has attacked court personnel in multiple cases and now has multiple gag orders against him. Uh, he has violated the gag orders. He has been fined five thousand dollars. He has then been fined ten thousand dollars and he keeps getting threatened with. If you keep doing this, we might throw you in jail. Many criminal defendants would already have had bond revoked and they would be sitting in jail awaiting trial if they did things equivalent to what Donald Trump has done. So there is a two tier justice system. There is special treatment here. But Trump is the beneficiary of the special treatment. He violates the gag order, is told by the judge you owe 10 grand, steps out of court and violates it again by continuing to attack the judge and continuing to attack witnesses. And then aside from the legal aspect of this, if we just zoom out and we say this is a former president of the United States that is talking like this, we've never even imagined that there would be a current or former president of the United States talking like this. And yet Trump is doing it. It is a reminder of the insanity that this guy held office for four years, leader of the free world, they call it, and that there are 
tens of millions of people conservatively, a few tens of millions of people who want him to hold office again. Extraordinarily, extraordinarily scary stuff. Let's now talk about the continued troubles that one of Trump's former lawyers is having, who seems very unwell. I told you earlier this week that former Trump lawyer Sidney Powell has pleaded guilty. She now has come out and pushed the claims that she pleaded guilty because prosecutors extorted her and that the election really was stolen from Donald Trump. My analysis of this complete layperson analysis that I don't know her personally, just from the things she's said and done publicly, is that she is very much unwell. This does not seem like a well woman. Let's look at what's going on. Business Insider reports Sidney Powell pushes claims that 2020 election was rigged. Prosecutors extorted her after her guilty plea. And it reminds us Sidney Powell pleaded guilty to election interference in Georgia's criminal case last week. She's still pushing claims that the 2020 election was rigged and prosecutors target conservatives. Her organization's newsletter promoted an article saying the D.A. quote extorted a guilty plea from Powell. She continues, I guess, to believe that Joe Biden didn't really win in 2020. I know it's been almost three years. It's been 60 court cases. It's been a total lack of evidence everywhere. On her social media accounts, Powell has continued to push claims that it was rigged and that prosecutors in Georgia who brought a criminal case against her were politically motivated. She says that she was extorted in her guilty plea. I'm going to just be super honest. This to me seems like someone who does believe what she is saying. You know, we talk about does Steve Bannon really believe the election was stolen? I don't think so. I, I just don't. I just don't I, don't. I don't buy it. I don't think he's being genuine. Steve Bannon says and does so many things for posturing to activate the right people to send messages and to 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 get certain political constituencies into action. I don't think Steve Bannon believes it for a second. I think Bannon knows that Biden won. On the other hand, you've got someone like a Mike Pillow who I've kind of gone back and forth. Does he believe it? Does he not believe it? I have moments where I think he does. I have moments where I think he doesn't. I think Sidney Powell is a classic example of someone who really does believe it. And she seems mentally ill. Now, I'm not issuing a diagnosis. I'm just saying if we look at the interviews, we look at her behavior, we look at her walking out of interviews furious. We look at these things that she's saying, her seemingly complete inability to just accept things as they are. She seems like a true believer. She seems unwell. I don't know what the diagnosis is. It would be for someone who is qualified to to explore that, to figure it out. But she does seem like a true believer. And then this gets us to the broader conversation, which is I've talked to you before about how when we hear a poll number like 57 percent of Republicans believe that Trump won in 2020. OK, some portion of that 57 percent really believes it. And some portion of the 57 percent believes that in order to signal their allegiance to their tribe, they're supposed to answer in a poll that they believe it when in reality they do not. You've got the people who don't believe it and are willing to say, I don't believe it. The people who do believe it and say, I believe it. But then you've got the people who don't believe it, but say they do because they see this as fighting some kind of war. The ends justify the means, the means justify the ends, whichever way you want to do it. I know both are popular now if you listen to Republicans. Um, and uh, that is really the question when we think about what portion of this country actually continues to believe this stuff at this point in time. The 2024 election in a way is going to be a referendum on that. It will be the first opportunity 
where everybody who feels that they were wronged in 2020 and it was stolen, what action are they going to take? Some who believe it was stolen are going to come back rip roaring and say, we're going to get it back this time. We're going to vote again. Others. I mean, listen, in some sense, if you believe they stole your vote in 2020 and you have no reason to think that problem has been fixed, aren't they going to just steal your vote again in 2024? Why would you even bother? Why wouldn't you just stay home? And of course, this is the risk we've been talking about for a while from continuing to push on. It was stolen and nobody cares. It's that if you really convince enough voters that their vote is going to be stolen again, you're effectively convincing those people to stay home. You're telling them your vote's not going to matter. And then usually when you confront them with this, they come back and they say, well, they're going to steal some votes. We need so many people to vote that they're not able to steal it. It's a silly argument because if indeed those doing the theft are as sophisticated as they must be to leave absolutely no trace, a few million more people voting is not a problem that they can't overcome. So none of it makes sense. It's all incoherent. But there are people who plan to vote who are in the category of Sidney Powell, true believers, probably unwell to some degree. All we can do is make sure we're registered to vote and that we're there on Election Day voting against them. We'll take a very quick break. Make sure you're signed up on YouTube packed program today. So I'll try to do as little time wasting as possible. Budgeting can be a tough thing for a lot of people to stay disciplined about, but our sponsor Cube makes it much easier. The Cube app lets you easily separate your budget into categories called cubes and then make all of your purchases from your cubes with your cube debit card. Let's say you've budgeted a thousand dollars a month for groceries. You're at the grocery store. You're ready to spend, say, two hundred and fifty dollars. You choose the grocery cube in the app that'll make the money available on the card. As soon as you process the card, your grocery cube will then show the remaining balance of 750 and the card can't be used until you green light the purchase, which prevents theft. You can always see how much you have left in each cube. You can avoid overspending. Cube has joint accounts and debit cards for kids so you can plan and save together. Your kids can make purchases that you've authorized in advance without borrowing your credit card. The average cube user saves four hundred and forty dollars a month just from being more conscious and aware of their spending. You can try the cube premium or family plan completely free for two months at davidpackmancom slash money. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Zipix brings you a convenient alternative to smoking and vaping. And the vape clouds, the ashtrays, the thing in your lip that people can see. I've seen that around. This is an easier and less messy way to curb the cravings. And you can use Zipix just about anywhere. Zipix is available in six flavors with two or three milligrams strength. The nicotine and the flavor are long lasting, and Zipix has helped countless people kick the bad habits and they are bad habits. Zipix toothpicks are FDA registered. Their customer service is second to none. It is one of the most cost effective alternatives. Also check out their B12 and caffeine toothpicks. See for yourself why so many people have switched to Zipix toothpicks. You can only get Zipix online 
Quitting has never been easier with Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Go to Zipix.com, get 10% off with the code Pacman 10 at checkout. That's Z-I-P-P-I-X.com. Use code Pacman 10 for 10% off. The info is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show, of course, is a community funded program. I invite you to match what you might be paying Fox News, which, by the way, if you have cable TV, you are paying Fox News. Fox News gets a subscriber fee from every single cable customer. Just match it by signing up at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code four years for indictments. You'll save everybody wins and it's just such a great thing. Let's hear from some of the people in the audience on Fridays. We go to the phones. We don't really have phones anymore. Now it's discord. You can find the discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. Um, let's hear from some folks. Let's start with Mike from Massachusetts. Mike, what's going on today? What's on your mind? What can I do for you? Hey, David, how you doing? Thanks doing for having well. me on. Um, so I have two questions, one a little bit more practical, one a little bit more. One a little bit more kind of what's what I'm looking for, just kind of theoretical, speculative, um, more okay. speculative. I'll start with the practical one. So it's been pretty disheartening watching the, re the reaction from both the right and the left in regard to Israel and Hamas uh, mm -hmm. in Palestine the last you know few weeks. Um, you know, just this blind loyalty to Israel on the right and some people on the left actually supporting Hamas. It's just it's very disappointing. But yeah, my question is, it, it's extra disappointing because it seemed like we were starting to see a little bit of a shift in people's mentality, both in Israel and in America, at least on mm -hmm. the left, uh, to kind of bring a little bit more attention to the suffering of Palestine since 1947. Um, and also in Israel, you saw we saw a large protest in Netanyahu's efforts to strip the court of powers and, you know, kind of consolidate power around his executive branch. Yes. Do you think that all these movements are now back to square one because of this conflict? Or do you think there's still hope to move them forward uh, despite everything? Well, I do think that to some degree, when Hamas carried out its terrorist attack, it was so heinous and outrageous in its targeting of overtly innocent people. I would just met someone the other day whose family is from a kibbutz that's only like five kilometers from the border. They've just been ordered to evacuate, just basically told, like, you just shouldn't even be here. So, you, you know, that when when all of that happened, I do think that a bunch of the focus on uh, pushing forward for uh, what whatever could be achieved for Gazans and Palestinians more broadly was in some sense supplanted by the immediate need. Is something going on back there? I'm taking care of my taking care of my son. He's just. Oh, having, OK, having I got you. I, I'm sure that this he also sounds extremely concerned by by the situation, the conflict in the Middle East, <laughs> I will admit. No, listen, I mean, yes, I, I do think that. Um, the fact that even though all of the normal stuff is being said, like, you know, Israel's overreacting and now they're going to they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And the U.S. is too supportive. All the normal stuff that's always said is being said. But it also had the practical um, effect of taking uh, appropriate attention off of the push for what I believe should be a Palestinian state. It, it uh, derailed 
talks between Israel and Saudi Arabia for normalization of relations, which I think would have been a good thing. And yeah, I think that uh, that 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 absolutely is the case. That's very unfortunate because it seems like we were finally making a little bit of progress on this issue. But absolutely. Um, and I'll just go. To, I'll get to my speculative question. Then I'll let you move on. And I'm going to preface this by saying it's wild. It's just a wild speculative thought. I don't. There's no evidence to this, but just something that crossed my mind. There was reporting that Egypt had warned Israel that Hamas could be up to something, mm. and doesn't seem like Netanyahu did much with that information. If anything, he took troops away from the Gaza border and moved them to the West Bank. Do you think it's possible that Netanyahu maybe? thought this might be coming and let it happen to rally the people around him. This is like the Bush allowed 9-11 to happen thing. I, I've seen some of the same speculative stuff that you're referring to. I, I, I would be so hesitant to weigh in on it only because it's very poorly sourced. And I don't know. I mean, it, it, it is extraordinarily speculative. I would be shocked if either Bush or Netanyahu said, let's allow this to happen because it'll be good politically, not paying enough That's... attention to warnings that they were given. OK, now now we're more in the realm of what I would consider realistic. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on it. No, that's that's a good point. I didn't think about it in the context of like people saying the same thing about 9-11, which I don't agree with at all. So yeah. that's true. It's a good point. Like I said, speculative thought. Just wanted to get your thoughts on it. So thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. All right, Mike from Massachusetts. Great to hear for, from you. Why don't we go next to? Oh, I don't know. How about uh, so hard to say? Maybe Marcus from Sacramento. Marcus from Sacramento. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Uh, hello, David. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, yes. So uh, my question is kind of a kind of a twofold question. I'm actually half Palestinian and I'm very left leaning, obviously. Um, but um, I was pretty disgusted by the terrorist attacks by Hamas, and uh, it, it almost, it, to me, it almost shelved all of the any good nature that the Palestinians may have had. I think was really, really shelved by Hamas's actions, and I'm almost at the point now where I'm like, you know what, Israel. You, you may have to do what you have to do. I'm not happy with it. But I guess my question is, is that how do how do Palestinians rebuild any semblance of sympathy from globally, I guess, especially from the West? Well, listen, I mean, much of the left in the United States already is sympathetic even after what happened. So to, to some degree, I mean, I know what you're saying and we'll deal with it. But to some degree, there is a lot of that sympathy. I mean, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the attack, there were a bunch of pro-Palestinian rallies which said we're not actually celebrating what Hamas did, but we're anticipating that Israel is going to do something bad. And so we're coming out as a reminder. You know, I, I think the question is a good one because it, it seems like the best polling we have is that about 50 percent of Gazans in some sense support what Hamas is doing in general and 50 percent don't. Now, I'm not saying the terrorist attack specifically, but I'm saying generally the approach of Hamas. That's like the polling I've seen. Maybe it's not right. Maybe it's difficult to get accurate polling. What can be done to get Gazans out of the grip of Hamas? Because even if you start taking out Hamas leaders, you you still have leadership in Qatar and elsewhere. You're it, it's not a a uh, 
it's it's you know many of the combatants in Gaza when it gets difficult they'll just you know they're wearing civilian clothes they'll put their guns down and go Hamas I don't know anything about Hamas I was never in Hamas so there's this fluid nature of how do you take out Hamas or how do you release Gazans from the grip of Hamas I don't have the answer what I know is that there are a few approaches that Israel might take one is this bloodthirsty approach that many right wingers have been proposing which is they talk about turning Gaza into a parking lot. Israel has the weapons to do it. Israel is not doing it because it's not the approach that uh, th that that they want to take. And that's good because that's a, an insane approach doing nothing. Everybody knows Israel's not going to do nothing. So then what you're faced with is what is expected to at some point start, even though it keeps getting delayed for weeks and weeks or for a number of different reasons. Uh, some kind of ground incursion that will combine with special forces and, and, and clandestine operators that are obviously already in Gaza to try to do as much as possible to take out the weapons depots and the leaders and, and so on and so forth. And of course, inevitably, innocent civilians are going to die and then the entire cycle will start over again. It's an insane situation where I don't believe that Benjamin Netanyahu is going to oversee real progress towards peace. And Hamas obviously is not going to oversee progress towards peace. And so the leadership needs to be changed. It, it, it's it's such a quagmire. I know what a solution would look like, but I don't know how we even get to the circumstances where that can be made a reality. I just don't. Why well, I don't see Netanyahu going anywhere right now. It's, it's no. pretty much rally around the leader time. But I, I, I guess is it is it come to the point where uh, should we even be discussing maybe Israel annexing Gaza and making Gazans Israeli citizens? Because at this point, the Palestinians, and I hate to say it, they look like they can't self-govern, at least in Gaza. So at, at this point, are we leaning well, towards Well, they're not allowed to. I mean, you know, they, I, I think you have to be you. There's no self-governance because Hamas has other priorities. Hamas doesn't care about civilian deaths. Hamas is using human shields. They have a so-called Palestinian health ministry or whatever, which is just controlled by Hamas. So Hamas does not allow any of that governance. I think the most natural quote solution that people bring up is even if the Palestinian authority that governs the West Bank isn't perfect, um, it would be a huge improvement to allow Gaza to be governed by the Palestinian Authority. I think it would be an improvement, but how do you even get there? I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Well, thank you for taking my, my uh, call, David. My pleasure. Marcus from Sacramento. Great to hear from you. Extraordinarily uh, complicated and difficult situation. Why don't we go next to uh, Abe from Idaho? Abe from Idaho, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David. Um, caught me off guard. Uh, have you guys noticed, like, I've seen a few trucks around here that the Trump flag is taken off. Sorry, when you say it's taken off, you mean more people are flying a Trump flag or that people have removed their Trump flags from their trucks? They've taken it down like there's two poles and there'll be just the American flag and the other side is empty. <laughs> and so in Idaho, it's you're saying weird. that these were people who previously were flying a Trump flag and they've taken it down recently. I mean, it had to be a Trump flag that, you know, they fly the American one on one side and the yeah. Trump flag on the other. I don't know and anything about it. I mean, have you asked any of them what's going on? 
No, I just thought I'd br- bring it up and see if anybody in the audience maybe have noticed anything I mean, like maybe that. maybe it's there is really still weird. maybe there's still discontent, some discontent, even though Trump's polling higher than ever in the Republican primary. I don't know. Maybe they were getting heckled. I, I'm not I'm not really sure, but it's interesting. Certainly, they're just embarrassed. huh? Maybe they are. You, you, I honestly, I would ask them if you feel it's safe to do so. <laughs> no way. <laughs> You're going to stay away, it sounds like. Yeah. Fair. All right. Anything else, Abe? Think, no, I just wanted to throw that out there. All right. Great to hear from you. There is Abe from Idaho. A lot going on, certainly. Let's go next to Max from Texas. Max, welcome to the program. What's going on? Hi, David. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Um, so I'm I'm a fairly new listener and member. So sorry if you've already talked about this to death, but um, I recently heard on a video of you talking um, about something regarding uh, winning elections that I'd like some more guidance on where to read more. Um, you said something about the importance of encouraging voters to actually make it out to vote as opposed to the importance of um, like moving fence sitters or independents one way or the other. Um, can you recommend maybe some reading material on this or thought leaders or authors? I'm also curious if this is like a ubiquitous thing or like something that's like uh, 100% accepted um, or if this is just kind of theory stuff. Um, no, I mean, stuff. listen, I, yeah. I, I don't have any specific reading for you on that particular issue. I mean, I think correct me if I'm wrong. What you're referring to is that I've said before that rather than arguing with people to try to get them to change their political views, which is a very long process and can be difficult, doesn't always succeed, that finding people who already agree with your perspective, but just like aren't sure if they really plan to vote and just saying, hey, you know, here here's a video of a lunatic that was interviewed at a Trump rally. If you don't vote, that person gets a say and you don't. That's really dangerous. And, you know, kind of encouraging people just to vote. You don't need to argue with them about issues. You just got to get them to the polling place. I think it's just intuitively much easier than arguing politic political issues with people who are like, well, I'm not voting for Biden because he stole the election. Now you're in that argument. Putting the, I, I just think it's intuitively much easier to just find people who are like, man, I'm so disaffected. I don't know if I'm going to vote. Obviously, if I did, I would vote for Biden. But you go, no, 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 no. Here's why it's really important to get out and vote. It seems like a much easier sell. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, when you when you put it that way, it definitely makes a lot more uh, intuitive sense. So good. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. All right, Max from Texas. Great to hear from you. Let's go next to Rose from California. Rose, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? And Rose, you've got to unmute yourself so that we can hear you. That's the only thing missing. And Rose, uh, last chance, please unmute yourself. Only you are holding yourself back by muting yourself right now. If you unmute, we will be able to hear you. All right. Rose unable to unmute, which is too bad. Let's go to Casey from Kansas. Casey from Kansas, welcome to the David Pakman show. What's on your mind today? Hello. Sorry yes, you're I on the air. Sound a bit sick. Okay, so I'm it's not. Is it? It's state. not COVID, is it? No, it's just right. like a, a cold or flu or something. Fair. But I live in America. Yes. Okay. I was not raised in an open air prison. Okay. I don't have no hope for the future. 
But if a military or group caused the death of my family, I would do anything in my power to avenge them. I believe most people, regardless of where they live, believe the same thing. So do you think, as I do, that Israel's actions will only create far more terrorists in the future? Um, you know, the difficulty about that is that many of the terrorists you're referring to, like, for example, those who were involved in the Hamas attack, they are being radicalized. Hamas would be radicalizing them regardless because Hamas's charter calls for the elimination of Israel and Jews. So I agree with you that when Israel engages in actions that are seen as inappropriate or disproportionate or whatever, um, it certainly provides fodder for groups like Hamas, I guess, to do further recruiting. But they're recruiting anyway and they don't you know. For me, it's the the primary thing for me is what actually gets us closer to removing Hamas and then taking steps towards negotiations around. It seems so crazy to even think about actual peace negotiations. And I think the removal of Hamas does not really depend that much on what sort of recruiting fodder. Hamas leaders have. They've had no shortage of uh, of of rhetoric with which to recruit for a long time. So I agree in principle with what you're saying. And I also think that practically speaking, um, Hamas has uh, has plenty to use for recruiting regardless. Yeah, I just lean towards the I don't think there's like a military solution to reducing, you know, Hamas or terrorist group size. I think you have to go for some side of diplomacy, right? You have to give them an option other than, you know, because if you, if you live in an open air prison, you have no hope and somebody, you know, bombs your family to death. I just feel like that's like, oh, well, I can either go out by getting bombed and dying in the cold, right. or I can, you know, join this jihadist group and, you know, go out guns blazing or something. I feel like I don't know the average Texan would think the same way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you, when all hope is lost, you're right that people are willing to behave extremely desperately and recklessly. I completely agree with that. But yeah, that's all I got, I guess. All right. Casey from Kansas, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Let's take a very quick break. We will continue hearing from folks in the audience. So if you're waiting on Discord, don't go anywhere and I'll get to you hopefully in a moment. No matter your genetics or lifestyle choices, as humans, we all share some basic foundational nutritional needs and properly replenishing your nutrients daily is important for gut health, stress management, immune system. And that's where our sponsor AG one comes in. AG one is a foundational nutrition supplement. It supports your body's universal needs with something that you can easily absorb and utilize. So instead of a multivitamin or fumbling around with 10 different vitamin bottles, I've just replaced all of it with one scoop of AG one. I get the vitamins, the minerals, the prebiotics, the probiotics, all the stuff I'm looking for. It's delicious. It goes great in a smoothie. You can drink it straight with water like I do in the morning before my famous cappuccino. I've been doing it for years. 
you're just covering your nutritional basis for the whole day. It's simple. You don't have to buy a bunch of different vitamins. My audience knows I don't advertise miracle solutions and cures, and there's no miracle cure or solution here. It's just a simple product that works that replaces the clumsiness and the cost of a ton of different vitamins. Go to drinkag1.com slash Pacman. You'll get five free travel packs of AG1 and a free year's supply of vitamin D, which, as I've said, I take in the winter when there's a lot less sun out. That's drink A is in Adam, G is in green, the number one dot com slash Pacman to get five free travel packs of AG1 and a free year's supply of vitamin D. The link is in the podcast notes. 30 million trees are destroyed every year for toilet paper in the U.S. alone. So toilet paper is a big contributor to deforestation and climate change. Our sponsor, Real Paper, makes toilet paper from bamboo. Bamboo plants keep growing, which means no deforestation. Bamboo also absorbs five times as much carbon from the atmosphere as pine trees. And bamboo toilet paper is stronger than regular toilet paper and even softer. So bamboo toilet paper is all around a win for you and for the environment. It's time to move on from that toilet paper from trees that you're using at home. When you use real paper, it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing anything. It's soft and fluffy and they'll ship it to your door in plastic free packaging on a schedule. Super easy. With every box of real paper you buy, they are funding reforestation efforts across the country through their partnership with One Tree Planted. So unlike the toilet paper that cuts down trees, Real is helping to actively plant them. Go to realpaper.com slash Pacman and use code Pacman for 30% off your first order and free shipping. That's R-E-E-L paper.com slash Pacman. And then use code Pacman. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, let's hear from a few more people on Discord. We'll start with Justin in New York. Justin, what's going on? What's on your mind today? Uh, hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I, I wanted to ask you uh, if you had seen this article that had come out from Insider that yeah, I'll just read you the title. It says that uh, Sydney pa it's about Sydney Powell, mm -hmm. who, you know, had just taken the guilty plea deal. Yeah. It says that Sydney Powell pushes claims that 2020 election was rigged prosecute and that prosecutors extorted her after she pleaded guilty to election interference. Yeah. So, you know, like on one hand, she's pleading guilty. On the other hand, she's going ahead and kind of almost like going back on that. I, I don't know. It, it kind of seems like I was a little skeptical about all these guilty pleas from the beginning, kind of for a reason similar to this. But it seems like she's saying one thing and then talking out of the other side of her mouth, mouth for another thing, you know, is... Like, is there like any sort of legal repercussion for this? Can the prosecution like rescind the guilty plea? Like, I don't or... think so. I looked into this. There's been a bunch of articles written recently about how Sidney Powell took this deal, but then afterwards said she was extorted and pushed into doing it and that she still believes the election was rigged or whatever the case may be. I think that she's unwell, to be honest. And this is not about like diagnosing people through the Internet or anything like that. Just 
Her behavior and her behavior in interviews has been so erratic and outrageous. Her actions, the throwing away of her legal career, everything she's done is so bonkers that she just seems unwell. And if you ask me, what do I think she really believes? I think she really believes that the election was rigged, that she was railroaded, that she was coerced by prosecutors and also realized that if she doesn't take the plea, the outcome maybe is even worse. So that's where like the sliver of sanity came in. That's my best assessment of what's going on with Sidney Powell right now. So would like would any testimony given by her even be taken seriously or would that even harm the prosecution at this point? Because I don't think I that the things she's saying out of court about her deal are relevant to the fact that the deal is done. I don't I don't expect anything to change as a result of that. OK, no. All right. All right. Well, thank you for taking my call, David. All right. My pleasure. There goes Justin from New York. I'm told Rose from California has fixed her audio. Let's try it once more. Rose from California. Welcome. You can now unmute yourself and then we will be able to hear you. Hey, Dave. Hey, sorry, I didn't have um, permission set up for discord. Got it. The, the Candace Owens, Bill Maher conversation was bananas. Yes. Um, you know, we've been to the moon a dozen times. Uh, Moss Duke uh, is one of those people, and he's reported to have left a photo of his family on the moon. Mm. There's also mirrors on the moon that. Uh, occasionally can be observed from an observatory in Texas. And the mirror was put there to bounce light off of and check what the ancient astronomers, you know, had said were the distance to the moon. Right. And I, I mean, why, why do people, well, I guess we, we could, we could know why, right? Like if you've read Kahneman's thinking fast and slow, we can assume why people don't know about the other 11 missions. Yep. Right. The first one's a big one, but then like the comments on trans people again about like, oh, why is it regional? Like these people don't understand the type of homes that people come from. <laughs> it's it it's, it's genuinely then, crazy. It's genuine. The entire interview is just nuts. And it's mostly nuts because of Candace Owens, but it's also a little crazy because of Bill Maher. <laughs> That's the part that gets me because wasn't he at one time more liberal or was... <sighs> I'm confused. No, by his I mean, he's always been weird about medical stuff. I don't know that it's liberal or conservative. He's always been weird about medical stuff. I remember 20 years ago watching him on Larry King and saying strange things about aspirin. It was odd. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's a, it's a it's one of these conversations where like you watch the entire thing. Very little is learned. We don't really get closer to any solutions on anything. But a bunch of people are kind of presented with bad ideas that they might find convincing. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, I also, I mean, it leans right into the stochastic terrorism. And right. that's outrageous because there's no liability, but that stuff does affect real people. And I mean, that's like what these people now make their careers on. Right. Yeah, um, no, I, it's 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 actually. And one of the most incredible things is, you know, people often call in and say, why aren't there more of these kind of manosphere gurus on the left? And I've explained they just the, the left is not as hungry for that sort of figure. That's why they don't see Joe Biden as a cult leader for the way that, that that Trump people see Trump as a cult leader. But it would be a great thing to at least have some North Stars on the left 
to try to maybe keep people out of some of these rabbit holes. And I just don't think there really are right now. I thought that was a great call. And that was an awesome question. I think, too, it's one of those like for people, I think maybe on the left, it's maybe a little bit more obvious. Like, mm. you know, I've never like bought an anti-president sticker. I remember right. working in the print shop when we <laughs> I remember when the sticker printer grabbed a pile of stickers that hadn't been picked up that said redefeat Bush. And he said, won't be needing these and threw them in the trash after <laughs> the election. But, um, you know, something that I wanted to just I mean, predictions are whatever, but do you think that in a year from now, <laughs> during the election, as we're approaching, people will remember the speaker nonsense? No, I don't think so. It is it is pretty quick. I'm sure that there will be plenty of assuming other that it's through. over by then, <laughs> right? <laughs> assuming it's over by then. No, I don't. I don't really think it'll impact people's voting. Yeah. Do you think this is the implosion of the GOP by any means? I don't really like to make those sorts of broad predictions because who knows, but it's really not looking good for the for the party. I mean, they're completely unable to govern in every way. It's it's a complete waste of the people's time. So it's pretty, yeah. it's absurd, but it's on par. Um, I have one more thing, and it's a total softball question, but I, I listen to the audio version about twice a day, and then I go watch the premiere and get in the chat to talk with people on YouTube. Yeah. What uh, what kind of updates? Are you willing to preview anything that's going to come to the website changes? Oh, uh, you know, there's a group of about 30 people who have been helping with suggestions and providing feedback on the new website as we've gone through the wireframes and now the design. So I don't really have anything to preview. It's, it's going to be way more modern. The member section is going to be dramatically more functional. A lot of things are just going to really be updated. The current website's like seven or eight years old. But um, if you email in, you can get added to the kind of beta test list and then you can just see the website as it as it develops. OK, well, I'm not a developer, so I didn't want to email in for that, but I'm looking oh. forward to it because yeah. I do enjoy what you guys put out and I like being a part of the community and just very much enjoy the show. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the call. Thanks, David. All right. Rose from California, fortunately, was able to get everything fixed up. Let's go to Clarence from Singapore. Clarence from Singapore. Welcome to the David Pakman show. Clarence from Singapore. Welcome. And Clarence, you have muted Hello? yourself. Welcome. There Hello? you are. Welcome, Clarence. Oh, you oh, have clearance, Clarence. Please proceed. Uh, good morning. Uh, I would. I'm from uh, Singapore, and I call halfway around the world. I love it. Yeah. By the way, uh, this is uh, regarding about you know Ukraine. Mm -hmm. By By the way, have you heard about Slo Slovak Zizek? Yes. Slovak Zizek. Yes. Uh, that guy, that uh, psychoanalyst who talks about, you know, he supports Ukraine and uh, he's against the he's against the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You know, yes, he lives under under totalitarian rule. Uh, if I'm not wrong, under the Yugoslavian uh, regime. You know, you know, you heard of uh, Joseph Tito. I'm familiar with Zizek. Yes, absolutely. Uh. Have you have you invited him on his on your show? We have. We I believe we've never heard back. Maybe once we were able to get an initial conversation and then it just sometimes we'll say, OK, how about this date? And then we never hear back. So, yes, he, we've invited oh. him on the program multiple times. Oh, OK. Uh, 
by by the way, uh, I do I don't really for Ukraine, right? I don't really agree with uh, Noah Chomsky and um, John Mearsheimer mm-hmm. because they both didn't, you know, they are both uh, apologetic for you know what Russia did, you know, they are Russian apologists and you know. And they they don't really want the U.S. Uh, government to give more aid to Ukraine to fight back, of right. course, with that with that stupid uh stupid GOP shenanigans in the Congress, you know. Yeah, I don't agree I'm with actually, them either. Yeah, I'm kind of sick and tired of it, you know. Yeah, I I do not I do not know this. I do not know when will this end, you know. If if this goes on forever, I think um, I don't know whether I'm going to really lose hope about Ukraine of mm. uh, winning the winning this conflict against Russia. Of course, I don't. If this escalates to this uh, from this situation into the future, uh, it will be uh, pretty bad news. And I, I do not want to say World War Three will will happen. But if this goes on, you know, World War Three might happen. Clarence, you've really said it all. I uh, could not possibly add anything to what you were saying. So I will say thank you to Clarence from Singapore and we will move on. And I do hope to hear from you again. Let's go next to Jimmy from Rochester, New York. Uh, Jimmy from Rochester, welcome to the David Pakman show. What's on your mind today? Hi, David. Hi. So uh, I got a tough, tough one for you today, actually. Okay. Um, when it comes to, well, first of all, do we, first of all, do we have a number for the percentage of Palestinians that support Hamas? And I mentioned this earlier in the in the show. The last polls I've seen say it's 50 50. I'm sure everyone will take some issue and say some of that 50 only supports Hamas in so far as they're providing stuff that people need or some of the 50 is like scared into saying they so the the numbers I've seen show it's about 50 50 and what we how we interpret that could be done a million different ways. Sure. Yeah. So at what point, and maybe the point is never, but mm-hmm. at what point can you start, can you blame an electorate for the people that they elect? So this like, is really tough because level, let me tell you why this is tough, Jimmy. Let me tell you why this is really tough because I know where you're going. Here's why it's tough. The last election in Gaza was in 2005 or 2006. Okay. It's been like 17 or 18 years. And and even at the time, I actually don't have the numbers in front of me. It was either the smallest majority. um, Let me see. Results of last Gaza election of Hamas. It was either by a slim majority or only by a plurality that Hamas even won. And it was seven, 16 or 17 years ago. And and so I don't I know what you're saying. Like, listen, the uh, the Gazans elected Hamas. So at some point they're responsible. They did it so long ago and by the slimmest of majorities or even a plurality. So I just don't know how relevant that is in figuring out what should be done. Sure. So but 
but even if it was the case, yeah, I mean, do you think that ethically speaking, that would that would give Israel permission to to do something more forcefully? In other words, to, you you you're allowed to kill a Gazan because they voted for Hamas. I definitely don't want. To, I definitely would not say that. Okay, but, but, I wouldn't either. But but there are people that are saying like to protect Israel at this point. Basically, they need to take Gaza entirely. Mm. And like, I, I'm not I'm not in support of that. Right. But if it came out that some crazy high percentage, like this is more of a, a an ethical question philosophically than what to do in this current circumstance. Yeah. But but I mean, it could it, it could be true. And we could find out at some later time that, in fact, some crazy high percentage support support this. Yeah, I think I think that I, regardless, it would be extremely difficult to make any definitive assessments about what it means that people support it. So I don't even want to go. I think this is a dangerous road to go down. I don't think it's a useful one. I understand the question. I just don't. It just seems like a bad idea, not a fruitful one. And uh, at best, you would be dealing with incomplete or, or difficult to interpret information. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right, Jimmy from Rochester. Great to hear from you. Great to hear from everybody. We will go to a break and we will speak to people again next week. If you live in the United States, did you know that anyone can access your most private information using people search sites? These are sites populated with information from data brokers. They have access to your social security number, login credentials, addresses, location, history, even your online activity. That is not information about yourself that you want floating around. And the solution is our sponsor Incogni. With just a couple of clicks, you can grant Incogni permission to go to work for you. They contact the data brokers on your behalf. They say remove this person's data and they ensure that your private data will stay private. Incogni will also handle disputes on your behalf keeps you updated on progress every step of the way. They tell you how many data search sites they've gotten your information removed from, which ones they're working on and other information. So this can protect you from identity theft. It can keep entities from looking up your information like insurance companies, financial institutions, your employer. It can cut down on spam and telemarketing calls. And the first hundred people to use the code Pacman get 60 percent off when you go to incogni.com slash Pacman, that's I N C O G N I dot com slash Pacman, which gives you 60% off. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, let's get into Friday feedback where we look at some of the responses and comments about things I've said over the previous week. Um, significantly more, uh, I don't know outrageous messages over the last several weeks, certainly since the Hamas attack on Israel. Also, many angry reactions to the fact that I wrote another children's book, which is something that's relatively uncontroversial. We will start there. Who bought this book? <laughs> if you read this to your kid, it's worse than teaching them gay sex. Um, it seems like maybe it's a book that this person should be reading. Uh, I don't even know what you mean to teach kids gay sex. That's a really strange thing to say. I, it's hard for me to understand. But the good news is already 
uh, almost a thousand copies sold of the new children's book. Think like a scientist by David Pakman. Just a reminder, if you bought it, please leave a review. I think we only have 30 reviews and a thousand copies sold. So the reviews are so important. Please leave a review and you can find the first children's book and the second children's book at davidpackmancom slash book. You can also find them on Barnes and Noble by searching my name. This person, I guess, says that getting kids this book is as bad as teaching them gay sex. Let's ignore anything else that this person ever says. A ton of religious messagery coming in. Um, I don't know if it's directly related to the situation with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or what it is. Here is Chevy Apache who says, oh, this is about the children's book, right? The only book my kids read is the Bible. That's what God gave us. The rest is man's logic and has no meaning. I love that logic has no meaning, but the Bible has meaning no matter how illogical its contents may be. Listen, if you're religious and you want to teach your kids the Bible, or the Quran or whatever. Uh, that's absolutely your right. That's a decision that's for you to make. But to say that the kids don't need critical thinking and epistemology and and media literacy, that's how we got into this problem in the first place. And unfortunately, many of these parents agree. They think my kids don't need to learn critical thinking. That's why so many public schools have removed critical thinking from the curriculum. This is what we're trying to deal with, and I'm trying to deal with it in absolutely any way that I can. Uh, Kenny Cottrell says you can't be a beacon of light. Oh, hold on. I already I already said it wrong. You can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. This is the wrong your. But it's the other way. Usually people use Y-O-U-R when you need the U-R contraction. Here's someone using the U-R contraction where what they actually mean is Y-O-U-R. You can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. There's a little light in all of us by God's design, but you can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. David Pakman, your light don't shine using the correct your in the final instance. All right. I can't do it anymore, guys. It's presented without comment because I just can't. can't I just can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, sorry wrote in and says Trump says Hamas invaded Israel. My friend Putin invaded Ukraine. That's actually not bad. That's actually not bad. I did not see the two uh, considered together before seeing Sori's message. So nicely, uh, nicely done. Here's a comment about undocumented immigration. David, just wondering how many of the 60,000 legal immigrants flooding the streets of New York are you willing to let stay at your house? As usual, I don't know if they mean legal or illegal immigrants. Oftentimes there's sort of like bogus voice to, t to text employed, and I don't actually know whether they mean legal or illegal. Um, you know what? That's true. Uh, I'm not housing immigrants at my house. I'm not paying more in taxes to the government just for the hell of it. 
all of those things are true, right? You could you could find other ways in which there's a policy I might advocate for which differs from what I am choosing to do as a one off, either because I don't have the room in my house or because me sending in more money in taxes isn't really policy. I don't really know what point this person's trying to make. I guess it's if you think there should be legal immigrants allowed in New York or illegal immigrants, allowed, then in order to prevent them from flooding the streets, I should be taking them in or something like that. These arguments are really silly. You know, you got to at some point you got to grow up. This is not how policy is made. This is not how adults talk about these things. This is the sort of thing you might think about in you know, junior year of high school when the teacher says we're going to have a debate, come up with arguments for A or B. Uh, this is the sort of stuff you might expect before the students realize, wow, that's really dumb. I'm going to come up with an even better argument. Trent Carley wrote in and says, I'm actually coming from another video. Just wondering where you stand on Gavin Newsom now after the recent vetoes. He's all right, but I can't see him being anything of weight. And I see him having a heavy challenge next gun race. Uh, I guess they mean gov race, gubernatorial race. Listen, here's my thought. Yes, Gavin Newsom vetoed. I believe it was um, a, a psychedelic related bill and a cannabis related bill or something along those lines. We covered it on the bonus show. I am of the mindset that I can disagree with someone on an issue or on multiple issues. I can see certain issues as deal breakers versus not like if Gavin Newsom came out and said, I don't trust Jews inherently, I would go, that's crazy. That's just like completely nuts. Gavin Newsom came out and said he doesn't think that there's enough of a framework for psychedelic mushrooms to be decriminalized and he's open to it, but he wants to. OK, I disagree with him on that, but it doesn't change that in the to some totality, S.U.M. totality of Gavin Newsom. I think he's good on many issues. I think he's excellent at mixing it up and debating and confronting right wingers with their ridiculous illogical views. And that if he ran for president, he would be the type of ruthless person that we need when not not ruthless when it comes to lacking empathy, but ruthless when it comes to dealing with Republicans to say you've all abandoned policy. You're wrong on the contrived cultural issues. It's nonsense. I think he would be really good on that. You can disagree with someone on individual issues, but still think that overall they they are doing a good job or could do a good job. Now, I know many people in the audience disagree with me on this because when I came to a different conclusion on the recent terrorist attack by Hamas, about one hundred and twenty people canceled their paid membership. So they the view of some people is I if as soon as I disagree on anything with you, I'm out. And that's OK. That's certainly people's choice. But for me, I disagree with these vetoes from Gavin Newsom, but I still think he's the sort of Democrat that we should be sort of moving in the direction of. And not everybody has to agree. Kirk Danke wrote in and said, I have a feeling this was Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s plan all along, meaning to run as an independent. He's smart. He knew he'd never get the Democrat nomination. So he got a bunch of support from Republicans and coverage. Many of you wrote to me saying exactly this, that the entire transition for RFK Jr. from running as a Democrat to running as an independent was planned in advance. He's not stupid. He knows he's not going to be able to beat Biden in a primary. So it was part of the plan to get attention. 
because Republicans would think that he would spoil it for Biden. And then now RFK comes out and says, hey, you know what? Actually, I'm running as an independent. And now all the polling suggests that he's worse for Trump than he is for Biden. I have no evidence whatsoever that this was RFK Jr.'s plan all along. And part of me thinks RFK Jr. is the type of guy who thinks maybe I do have a shot at beating the incumbent president in a primary, meaning Joe Biden. It's not obvious to me that he thought that was an impossibility. But at this point, the concern that RFK Jr. will hurt Biden more than Trump is not borne out by the polls. It's not borne out by the facts. Also, you might have noticed that since he announced he's running as an independent, the amount of media coverage he's been getting has absolutely plummeted. And that may be because he's not as useful to other people as he was when he was running as a Democrat. So we'll follow it. I don't know if that was his plan all along. Uh, and ultimately, I think he's going to hurt Trump more than Biden. Uh, let's see. Kikastra. Kikastra wrote in and says the pathway to communism is socialism. Is Californian innovation on the rise or in decline? It's on the rise from everything that I'm seeing. You basically state that communism stifles innovation. So is the ever rising socialism in California bolstering or hindering innovation? This is such a, a, a Rorschach test. Just it's just like throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. As a reminder, I'm neither a socialist nor a communist. I do believe that there are certain industries or areas of society where the profit motive doesn't serve us well and markets should not direct resources. Healthcare is one such market. The military is one such market. I don't want a market for multiple militaries and the government sometimes will use one military. They'll use Bob's military, uh, you know, versus uh, Amy's discount uh, uh, mercenary. There's certain areas where I believe we should not be functioning in uh, the, the, the open market. Um, but innovation in California is off the charts. And I'm not aware of communism and socialism in California with regard to innovation in the way that this person's talking about. Maybe I just didn't see that story on Breitbart or something. I don't know. All right. And then here's something very special to wrap up. Warrior of Christ writes in. Uh oh. Everyone here should be less focused on a war and more focused on knowing who Jesus was and is the son of God, God in the flesh. Repent, because the time draws near when he returns and destroys evil forever. God bless you. This war is nothing to what's coming. Many are not prepared. Open a Bible and get to reading because very dark times are ahead. You know, I don't love ending the show for the week on such a uh, apocalyptic rapture style message. But it's where we find ourselves at the end of this week. So if this resonates with you, you can certainly pick up a Bible and look at whatever this person is looking for. The alternative is we still have the bonus show <laughs> coming up. Uh, make sure you're signed up at joinpacman.com. The bonus show is next or otherwise we will see you back here on Monday. Thank you.